This is People Every Day. Coming up, the surprising plan for Prince Philip's funeral and how Harry and William will meet amid tensions. Plus, new developments in the true crime case of the mysterious Delphi murders and something to chew on. Popcorn salad? It's typically made of veggies, popcorn, and mayonnaise. I know some people who put fish in theirs. It's April 12th. Hi, everyone. This is People Every Day. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and we are back in the swing of things and shooting for a happy, healthy Monday. You know who's really happy? Hideki Matsuyami. That's who. The pro golfer made history over the weekend, winning the 2021 Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia, and becoming the first Japanese player to win a PGA Tour major. He is wearing that green jacket well, and Tiger Woods even spoke out, saying Matsuyami is making Japan proud. But the weekend also brought some terrible news, and that's that on Sunday afternoon, a 20-year-old black man named Dante Wright was shot and killed by police during a routine traffic stop in Minnesota, just a few miles from where George Floyd was killed. Dante's mother has spoken out, as has Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz, and people took to the streets in protest, as authorities say they are investigating what happened again. So we'll keep an eye on that very troubling news. Later in the show, I catch up with People Crime editor Chris Harris about new developments in a true crime story that is continuing to make headlines, the Delphi murders of two young girls, a story that airs tonight on People Magazine Investigates on the ID channel. So listen in and and tune in uh, to that. But first, let's talk top stories. And I have now the esteemed Michelle Tauber, who will take us through what she knows best, Royals. Uh, There's so many uh, updates and, and developments coming out of the UK about the loss of Prince Philip and just what this entire uh, time, this morning time and this funeral is going to look like. So Michelle, let's dig right into that. How are you doing? Hi, Janine. Yeah, a lot going on. So much, so much. So, um, okay, there was a new statement that I want to jump into immediately. Uh, We hear from Prince William, uh, the heir. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about what he shared in that statement and if this is a little more from him than we would expect. You're right. This statement from William this morning was really um, emotional and raw, talking about um, how much he's going to miss his grandpa. And he shared a never before seen photo of Prince George sitting in a carriage with Philip. And and actually, we learned that that photo was taken by Princess Kate. So a lot of layers there. Yeah. So in that statement, he wrote, I feel lucky to have not just had his example to guide me, but his enduring presence well into my own adult life, both through good times and the hardest days. And then he said, I will never take for granted the special memories my children will always have of their great grandpa coming to collect them in his carriage and seeing for themselves his infectious sense of adventure, as well as his mischievous sense of humor. We also, on the heels of this, got more from Prince Harry, something I was I was kind of waiting for because he and Meghan put out that initial statement on their Archwell social media accounts. And it was, you know, really quick and kind of formal. And so this is a little bit more along the lines of what we were expecting from Harry. Right. His statement. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Both William and Harry called out their grandfather's cheeky sense of humor. I think I think Harry called it cheeky and William called it mischievous. So that tells you a lot. Um, Harry also called his grandpa the master of the barbecue and the legend of banter um, and said <laughs> that um, he had a seriously sharp wit and could hold the attention of any room due to his charm. And also because you never knew what he might say next. Um, but, you know, for me, the, the most touching part of Harry's statement is the um, he concluded with a Latin phrase, per mare per terum, which translates to by sea, by land. And, and that is the Royal Marines motto. And what's touching is, of course, both Harry and his grandfather served in the armed forces, the British armed forces. So I think the fact that he called that out and, and it, it really reflects that he feels that connection with his grandfather through their military backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 talk to me about this funeral. If if I remember correctly, um like this is going to be one of the biggest royal funerals since Diana's death. Yeah. We we haven't had a, a royal uh, funeral for a, a member of the family and you know God willing in a really long time since Diana as you say. Now there will be some very significant differences, namely the fact that obviously with COVID, there are a lot of precautions still in place. You know, Philip is not having a state funeral. Like the long drive yeah. and yeah. Yes. The procession through the streets and all of that, like the the very, the, the all of the pomp and circumstance. This will be reduced number one because of COVID, but also because of, of Philip's wishes. So will lie in rest in the private chapel at, at Windsor Castle until Saturday, which is the day of the funeral. And then in contrast to uh, Diana's death, um, what did that look like? And just to take people back to 1997. Yeah. I mean, for, well, first of all, mo- most people remember that sea of flowers that yeah. just engulfed Kensington Palace where Diana had lived. The royal family requested that no flowers be placed, again, primarily for COVID reasons. Um, you know, they, they don't want people gathering um, outside of Windsor Castle. So you're not going to see that. And then, you know, there was a lot of, Um, and still is a lot of heartbreak surrounding the way Diana's procession was held in terms of William and Harry as young boys being asked to follow that coffin publicly. And you heard Harry address that in the Oprah interview just a few weeks ago, you know, how difficult that was. So obviously they're grown now, but you are not going to see, for example, George, Charlotte, you know, walking behind the the casket, nothing like that. I think the royal family has has learned from that and seen that maybe the the public would like to see that sort of thing, that all of that, but that these are real people in real grief and they're being treated that way. Yeah. And so speaking of Harry, he's there, right? Yeah. He, he has landed and uh, Megan is not. Of course, she's pretty far along. Um, what do we know about what he has to do um, while he's there and then how that's going to work with him coming back with Mer- Megan being as far along as she is and the COVID protocols and all of that? Yeah. So we just confirmed this morning that Harry is staying at Frogmore Cottage. That you you'll remember is where Megan and Harry were going to live before they they left the big duty. remodel. That right, they had the <laughs> yeah. big remodel. They were they were nesting. They were getting ready for for Archie, and then you know that's shortly after Archie's birth is when we realized they weren't going to be staying there uh, permanently. But remember that when they made the big statement that they were walking, uh, stepping back, that they said we we maintain Frogmore Cottage as our UK residence. So here you see Harry staying there. But you know, I think that all eyes really now are going to be on. William and Harry 
and this being a pretty fraught reunion. Goodness. And then, you know, with him coming back. So the funeral Saturday. Funeral is Saturday. It's going to be 10 a.m. Eastern time here in the States. It's in the afternoon UK time. Okay. So just a couple more things because I'm, this is all so interesting to me. I want to talk about what we can say about how he will be laid to rest. We have seen headlines about a wool coffin and there being an electric Land Rover. Um, Just explain to people like where this is coming from in terms of what he was interested in and devoted himself to. Yeah. So Prince Philip is is widely regarded as a man ahead of his time when it came to conservation and climate issues. So along those lines, Philip, it's not a surprise, would want kind of um, an eco-conscious um, burial. And that's where you're getting this this wool coffin idea from. As far as Land Rover goes, you know, the royal family has a very storied, longstanding relationship with Land Rover. Uh, they all drive Land Rovers in the UK, the, the royals do. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so um, I know people were surprised to hear there was an electric Land Rover um, because oh, yeah. think of them they're as huge. They're fast like- guzzlers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, but again, you know, Philip, if it, it, it makes sense, if you know Philip's passion for conservation and for Land Rovers, that he would want there to be an electric Land Rover. So. And then lastly, of course, we can't forget uh, Her Majesty, the Queen, and 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 what she's going through. Um, I have to say, I did think of what mourning will look like for her. And we've talked about this before. Like, she's known for these just bright, beautiful color, neon chartreuse, and like, <laughs> you know, all yeah. of these different things. So what, what will she look like when we do get to see her? And how long will that last? Yeah. Well, you're right. She, you know, she has a reason for wanting to wear those bright colors, which is she feels like in these big crowds, when people come out to see her, she wants to make it easy for them to spot her. So she wears those bright colors. Now, I do not think you will see that at all at the funeral. I think you're going to see her in black um, in mourning. And, you know, this is um, the love of her life. And, and, you know, they were married 73 years. So it's, going to be not not a huge amount of time um, that she'll be in public on Saturday. Mm. But obviously, I, I imagine she will be as composed as ever because you know, again, that is her MO is to always be the, 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 the steadying force of the nation, even when she herself is in grief. I mean, even when they're in wartime, you know, so I think she's seen some really difficult times in her life and this is no exception. And we can expect her to, to be the, the, um, you know, keeping calm and carrying on woman that she always is. Wow. Michelle, thank you so much. This is just, you're, you're just a, a treasure trove of information on all of this. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Janine. It's always great to talk to you. All right, guys, now I have two words for you. Popcorn salad. Yes, popcorn salad. Those are two words that sent uh, my my producer, Julia, into a tailspin this morning. (laughs) Actually, my entire production team, um, because it just... Yeah, they don't go together, it seems. Uh, And uh, I just want to state my opinion flat out before we get into it. Uh, There are certain things that mayonnaise should go on. 
and there are certain things that it <laughs> should not go on. And for me, that is popcorn. But I am joined now by an expert to tell me if I'm wrong or right. Uh, <laughs> food editor Anna Calderon is going to walk us through why popcorn salad is something that everyone is gagging on and talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we have a good mix because I am not totally opposed to it, first oh, off. Oh, my goodness. Um, so this was a, a recipe video from Molly Yay. She is on the Food Network. She has a show called Girl Meets Farm, but it was just like a viral clip from mm-hmm. her show that somebody put on Twitter. And of course, you know how Twitter can be. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically um, a potato salad, but instead of potatoes, you use popcorn. <laughs> Popcorn salad is one of those classic Midwestern dishes that you would often find in a church basement potluck. And it's typically made of veggies, popcorn, and mayonnaise. I know some people who put fish in theirs. And the dressing is like mayo and Dijon mustard and apple cider vinegar. And you mix that with like some veggies, like snap peas and Mm -hmm. carrots and crunchy stuff. And then at the end, you kind of fold in popcorn. Wait, so, okay, devil's advocate or uh, popcorn salad advocate, whatever. Tell me why this could possibly taste okay. Please explain to me. <laughs> Molly says that like the uh, something about the texture of the popcorn gets a little soggy, but still a little crunchy. That's it's- the worst part. That's the worst part. <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds okay. I mean, potato salad is covered in mayo too, no? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, potatoes, yes. Bread, yes. Um, what else should you put mayo on? I mean, tuna, you know, things that are popcorn. That, like the whole part point about popcorn is the crunch. Like you want that crunchiness. And to sog it up, I'm sorry. It, it sounds like something that ends up in the drain, like after you wash the dishes. <laughs> But I have to say, it is like a, or what Molly says is it's like a Midwestern specialty. And there are a lot of weird Midwestern salads. Like, I just heard about a Snickers salad. Have you ever heard of this? No, now that, now that I can get behind. <laughs> you can put Snickers in anything. Cut up pieces of Snickers with Cool Whip and like apples and people have it for dessert. It's a salad that you eat with a spoon. And so, uh, like, we, uh, we know she loves it, but her friends... Seem to have loved it as well. Is that, you know how the Food Network works. Is that like, were they being nice or was this like... There's a clip at the end and her friend is like, I've never had popcorn salad before. (laughs) (laughs) And she does seem to be converted, but you know, it's always a little, seems a little scripted. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Molly... Yeah, just don't just don't go online. Yeah, don't look at Twitter today. (laughs) Thank you, Anna, so much. Thanks for having me, Janine. This was fun. (laughs) Coming up after the break, crime editor Chris Harris takes us into the ongoing mystery surrounding two teenage best friends who walked into a park in Delphi, Indiana one afternoon and sadly never came out again. Stay tuned. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Bumble. 
There is a gruesome unsolved murder case out of Delphi, Indiana that has been making the rounds. And it is also the focus of People Magazine Investigates, The Delphi Killer, tonight's new episode of our true crime series on the ID channel. It is still not clear what exactly happened to 13-year-old Abigail Williams and her 14-year-old friend Liberty Rose Lynn German, who entered a local park back in February 2017. The case has been ongoing for years, but things are happening and police recently received an anonymous donation of $100,000, bringing the reward for information on the murderer up to $325,000 and growing. Right now, People Crime Editor Chris Harris is with me to discuss what is known as the Delphi murders or down the hill murders. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing, Janine? Good, good. So it's known as the Delphi murders now, but tell me, when did Abby and Libby's case first come on your radar? Got, uh, well, uh, almost immediately after um, they went missing, February 13th of 2017, um, this is one of those stories that immediately made headlines because it was two girls, two best friends, and the uh, the whole community came together to try to find them. Um, unfortunately, it had a, a very sad ending. Yeah. So, so, so take us back into that story. Um, it was Monday, February 13th, 2017. Yes. They were dropped off uh, by a German's older sister and... Then what happened? They had off from school that day. Uh, and these are uh, two girls, Abigail Williams and Liberty German. Uh, Abby was 13. Liberty was 14. They were really good friends. Um, and they would go hiking uh, on this uh, Manan High Bridge uh, in Delphi, Indiana. They were dropped off by uh, Kelsey, as you said, uh, uh, Libby's sister. She went to work. Um, they were met, They agreed to meet uh, at 3.15 p.m., but the girls never showed up. And they were reported missing right around dusk. And, you know, search teams came together and they they searched the whole park for for the girls. Wow. Yeah. And so where are we now with this case? This is uh, this is an unsolved case. Police are still looking uh, for tips. They're actually getting tips all the time from what we were able to uh, learn. The family is just hoping that there's some sort of a, a, a resolution uh, soon. What's really crazy and rare and unique about this case is that we have audio and video footage of the killer um, and and. and some reason that's not helping find this guy and locate him. But you've got to imagine that somebody out there knows the voice, knows the way the guy walks and the video recognizes the way he walks because it's very strange. A gate, his voice is kind of unique. So it's strange that we have all this evidence. But four years later, there's still no closer to an arrest as far as we know. Wow. So, so take me into those moments where the whole town is searching. People are trying to figure this out and then they are found. Right. And so how did that all yeah. come about? You know, I was talking to Kelsey just a couple of weeks ago about this. She remembers the exact moment they were in this park. They were in a wooded area. Um, and she remembers hearing that someone had found a shoe and they didn't know if it was, you know, one of the mm. girls' shoes. But it wasn't long after that, that, you know, the bodies were found very uh, close by where that shoe had been found. And she said she just dropped uh, into the arms of one of <sighs> the, uh, the searchers. Because, you know, they were really hopeful that, you know, this was going to have a happy ending. Yeah. So so talk to me a little bit about Kelsey and what she's done, you know, these past few years in, in trying to find some sort of justice for her sister. Kelsey actually wanted to be a journalist her whole life like you and I. And 
Um, when this happened, she actually shifted her whole focus. She's a student at Purdue University. She shifted her whole focus to law enforcement. Because of this case, because it's high profile, she has become part of the like true crime community, as she put it, which, you know, is the victims of uh, the families of all the victims are, are sort of, yeah. you know, talk to each other online and everything. So she wants to help other families uh, with justice. She doesn't know if she can help in this particular case with her sister, uh, but but she wants to help other families. And still currently, there's four people of interest or persons of interest, Paul Etter, Daniel J. Nations, Thomas Bruce, and Charles Elridge. Uh, So what do we know about why these names are in the mix? Um, These are gentlemen who've been either arrested uh, close to the time that that this crime happened or since um, for similar type crimes, kidnappings, Mm. abductions, murders, assaults. Um, These are people who are are still, you know, part of the investigation, but really police just need that last crucial piece of evidence that's going to bring them to to the identity of this this horrible individual. So horrific. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about that footage? Where did that come from? How do they know that this is the killer? And and, and where was that video footage from? That video footage was from uh, Libby's phone. She actually was shooting a a video of Abby walking on the bridge, uh, photos of Abby walking on the bridge. And so in the distance, you could see a gentleman uh, and I use that word very loosely. I, I regret using that word, actually. Um, but you could see this individual in the background yeah. walking towards them. She also had the foresight to uh, record his voice as he was giving them instructions. So really, she has produced the best piece of evidence um, wow. for police. Wow. And then uh, I guess just the, the recent new update is that... Uh, Kelsey is, of course, um, like you said, studying forensics uh, to help catch Libby's killer. So, uh, I mean, would you say this is something that you've seen? You cover crimes inside and out and you talk about this true crime community and you have Kelsey here who's shifted her whole her whole focus to doing this. Have you seen this with families where it just consumes them and, you know, they have to find that answer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've not met a family that didn't sort of become obsessed with finding the truth um, because, they, you know, if you love somebody and and they're they're killed, you want to know what happened to them. Um, We recently covered a podcaster who basically like produced the evidence to to bring charges against her father for killing her stepsister. Wow. So, um, yeah, for years she was haunted by that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's yeah. This is this happens a lot lately, um, especially I think with how popular true crime is. I think people can't really help but become obsessed with it. That was People Crime Editor Chris Harris. For more on the Delphi murders, head over to People.com and be sure to tune in to People Magazine Investigates tonight on the ID Channel or streaming on Discovery Plus. Now perk up a little because I've got something to make you smile. We're still in the midst of award season, and, well, usually when someone wins an award, they thank those who were involved in the project or God, their family, you know. But yesterday at the BAFTAs, which is basically the British Oscars, 73-year-old Ye Jung Yoon won Best Supporting Actress for her role as the grandma in the film Minari. And, well, she just went off script (laughs) during her acceptance speech. Listen. British people, known as very 
snobbish people and they approve me as a good actor. So I'm very, very... Just tell them how you really feel, Yejang. <laughs> I will say it was a kiss-kill moment because she did start out by expressing her condolences for Prince Philip. Big congrats to her. She's also up for an Oscar, so who knows what her thoughts on Hollywood folk will be. <laughs> Have a good one. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow. 